You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. everyone and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities and solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. Imagine a world where you're always one step ahead of cyber threats, where your defenses are impenetrable because you see what others don't. Welcome to Team Cymru's Threat Intelligence Solutions. With real-time access to the world's largest threat intelligence data ocean, they enable you to turn the tables on attackers. Transform your security from reactive to proactive through accelerated threat hunting and incident response, made possible through automation. Empower your team with visibility and insights to start defending your organization like never before. Team Cymru. Be the hunter, not the hunted. Learn more at team-cymru.com slash cyberwire. That's team-cymru.com slash cyberwire. So as you might know, GPS is one of the most important global positioning system we're using today. That's Gong Wang. He's an assistant professor of computer science at Virginia Tech. The research we're discussing today is titled, All Your GPS Are Belong to Us, Towards Stealthy Manipulation of Road Navigation Systems. There are over a billion GPS devices that depends on the GPS signals to locate themselves in different places all over the planet. So, for example, when you wanted to travel to a you know a new city and wanted to go certain places, what you really do is to open your smartphone and set the destination, and then it comes of a navigation route. So the GPS help the navigation system to keep track of where you are and try to navigate step-by-step to your final destination. So there are over millions of users are using GPS every day. So that's why we start to look at, hey, how it is possible, whether it is possible to launch attack against our GPS and manipulate the on-road navigation system. And how can we prevent this type of attacks from happening in practice? So let's go through just some of the basics here. Uh, Can you describe to us how does the GPS system work? Uh, At a very high level, so GPS depends on the satellites that are running around our planet. So a GPS device, for example, your smartphone, receives the GPS from multiple satellites, 
and calibrate the GPS signal reading so that they can uniquely position yourself to a coordinate on this kind of uh, location system. So you know where you are and it's based on the GPS coordinates. So you're receiving multiple signals and it kind of triangulates your position based on the timing of those signals. Is that a, a simplified way to view it? Yeah, that's correct. And there are two uh, flavors of GPS, I suppose. I mean, there's the consumer version and the military version, and one of them's encrypted, right? That's correct. GPS has a civilian GPS, which is mostly the GPS devices we're using today. And there's a military version. The military version, as you might expect, have a much higher level of security. They have encryption, the authenticated sources, but for most of the civilian GPS we're using, it is completely unencrypted. And as the lack of authentication mechanism, which make it as vulnerable to spoofing. One additional note is that civilian GPS is not just used by consumers like you and me, but actually used by most of the infrastructures like power grade. Uh, so they don't have the privilege to use the military version. They still have to use the civilian version of the GPS. Hmm. Now, GPS spoofing attacks have happened prior to your research. Can you describe to us what have other people done there? That's true, right? So a GPS signal, especially the civilian GPS signal, can be manipulated because there's a lack of authentication, there's a lack of encryption. Previously, uh, researchers have tried to spoof devices or GPS devices in the free space. So for example, when a researcher tried to spoof a GPS device on the boat, on the ship, and tried to steer the navigation of the yard. And then there's other researchers try to spoof GPS on the drones, uh, try to change it as kind of an, a flying route in the air. Uh, so the big difference is between in, uh, spoofing in the free space and spoofing on the road navigation system is that on the road, we have much more constraints. So there's certain things you cannot do. For example, if you just spoof a GPS randomly, you can easily create a route that instructs the car to turn right where there's no right turn at that moment. Mm. So you can easily create physically impossible routes, which is not a problem in the free space. Right. So if you're out on the ocean or, or in the sky there's no points of reference to indicate that maybe you're, that something's wrong with the directions that you're getting and you can turn anywhere. That's correct. Right. All right. So let's dig in here. Um, what were you setting out to do here with the research? Walk us through it. It's pretty complicated and uh, clever stuff. So uh, in order to understand how feasible it is to manipulate a road and navigation system, we actually take multiple steps to understand the problem basically step by step. In the beginning, so we came up with this idea of how can we manipulate the navigation without even alerting users. I can give a very quick example here. So if you wanted to randomly spoof a GPS location and by setting the current device's location to a random place, that caused problems because, as I said, this can easily create a route that does not match what a user sees. So, for example, when the users in the car are looking at a completely straight road and the fake route you created using the spoofing techniques might has a right turn right in front of her. And if that right turn instruction is triggered, then the user get immediately alerted 
they say, hey, what I see is not the same with what is illustrated on the map. There must be something going wrong. So instead, we design a searching algorithm to search the map overlay or map network and try to find a fake route that matches with what user sees in the physical world. So for example, the end result is that even when a user is driving on the main street, he thought he was driving on the Fifth Avenue because when there's an instruction to ask him to turn right, there's exactly a right turn waiting there on the on the main street. So that's sort of the high-level idea of it. So one of the things that it's relying on is the fact that someone would likely not be very familiar with the area in which they're driving. So they, they might not be cross-checking street names and things like that. That's correct. So uh, the searching algorithm will be able to find a road that match the shape of the fake road, which means the right turn matches the right turn, and there's a highway, and hopefully there's another highway we can match against it. But there's certain things we cannot match. For example, if the real road has a gas station nearby, but on the map, the alternative fake route does not have a gas station, that could be a potential signal to give this attack away. So user might be able to see it. So the reason, well, based on our testing, it shows that a user are not easy to detect this is exactly because of what you said. When people are driving using GPS, they're typically driving in unfamiliar areas. So for example, if you commute from home to work, it's actually pretty common for you to ignore the GPS, just choose the route you're already familiar with. However, if you travel in a new city that you've never been before, and you actually heavily rely on the GPS navigation to uh, navigate to your destination, again, because you're not familiar with the area, you rely on GPS. So at that moment, rarely can user have enough attention span to cross-check whatever on the road and on the map. So because everything happens in real time, you have to watch out the traffic, and usually the only thing you can focus on is whether the GPS should tell you to turn right or not. And because of that, it's actually hard to spot while in practical scenarios. Yeah, and I suppose this is something that people aren't really primed to look out for. I, I think in general, we trust that GPS is going to be reliable. That's correct. If there's... Uh, uh, some familiarity on the road, and you could spend extra time to check whether the road sign matches what is shown on the map. Actually, this risk could be significantly reduced. Now, take us through what exactly did you do uh, in the physical real world to be able to spoof the GPS signal? So this is actually one of the fun part of this project. You know, although we sort of described how the algorithm works, so everything is still in the simulation stage. So uh, my collaborators and I think about taking this to the next level. So we try to understand whether this is actually physically possible. So the way we do it is to we build a very low-cost portable spoofer. So the spoofer is actually in total just cost $200-ish, hmm. and include a software-defined radio, which is the main device to generate the fake GPS signal. And we have a Raspberry Pi, which is a kind of, you can think of that as a mini computer that we can program and we can remote control through the cellular network. Mm -hmm. 
And then there's a portable power, which is really small, can hold the portable device for uh, several hours or even days. And then there's a antenna trying to control the power of the signal based on our need. So in total, all those kind of devices put together cost exactly $223. Everything is widely available online and nothing's restricted. And all the software and hardware is actually all open source projects. So this basically means anyone can build a spoof like this. And it's small too. This is the kind of thing, theoretically, I mean, you could see someone would be able to, uh, you know, in a, in a James Bond kind of way, stick this to the inside uh, wheel well of a car or something like that. Yeah, so um, we actually try to use some kind of uh, uh, standard object to illustrate how big it is. So what we did is we put a pen beside of it, and actually it looks exactly like the size of a pen. Hmm. Uh, of course, it's a square-shaped. So this is something you can really put in your pocket if you want. Yeah. So take us through, I mean, you, you successfully uh, take over the GPS signal. You convince the GPS receiver that you are the satellite uh, constellation. Then what happens? So before I talk about that part, I want to say that it actually takes us quite some efforts to receive the approval to do this type of experiments. Mm. Uh, actually, in the U.S., there's a very strict restrictions from performing any kind of spoofing experiment in the outdoor space. So we actually have to rely on some of the collaborators outside of U.S. to perform the actual experiments. Hmm. So once we start the spoofer, and the spoofer can slightly increase the signal strength so that from the GPS device point of view, there's multiple sources, and there's one source has slightly different power, and their default setting is basically fall back to some higher power devices. So once our devices take over the lock of the targeted GPS device. Now we actually can set arbitrary GPS locations for that device. For example, we want the targeted smartphone to be set on Times Square. Uh, we can do that by changing the parameters in our spoofer so that the signal will tell the GPS device that, hey, you are in the Times Square. Hmm. So then once we can control their GPS signals, and the next thing is basically carefully tuning the algorithm to generate the fake GPS signal so that we can trigger the navigation system to generate a fake route. And what happened is that the driver potentially would follow the step-by-step -step navigation triggered by the fake GPS signal and all the way driving to the wrong destination compared to the, his original one. So as attacker, you might also can set up a predefined location to say, hey, I want this driver to drive to that particular location. And this is a highly feasible given our experimental results. Now, do you need to know their originally intended destination for, to know, in order for this to work? Is that, or does that just make it easier or if it's harder if you don't have that? So if you know the exact location that the targeted driver wanted to drive to, that will make the attack much easier. To be more precise, it is easier for us to carefully control the GPS signal so that there's a precise turn-by-turn -turn navigation triggered at the right time. So if you don't know the exact location, there is actually a trade-off here. So for example, if you know some rough destination or rough checkpoint that this victim will bypass for sure, 
you can still run this algorithm, but the trade-off is that the algorithm will be effective, you know, before this victim arrive at a check mark or the rough location that you thought. If after that victim bypassed that check mark, you can no longer run that algorithm anymore. Now, does your system keep track of its own location? How does it um, know how it's doing along the way? Is, and is it able to adjust? If, if the driver makes a wrong turn, for example, uh, or passes a, a turn, would the system be able to adapt to that? Oh, that's a very good question. So suppose the driver failed to follow one instruction through this attack. So because the uh, attacking algorithm is run in real time, the algorithm will be able to, to adjust to on the fly generate a new alternative route so that we can adjust the GPS spoofing signals accordingly. This is actually very expected behavior because even when there's no attack, we miss entrances for highways or we miss the right turn all the time. On the other hand, the second question you mentioned is very interesting. So you were saying that how do you keep track of your loan location? So as a spoofer, because this fake GPS signal was generated by the spoofer, the spoofer actually can tell which signal is correct and which signal is incorrect. Hmm. So there's always a uh, mechanism that allows the spoofer to lock on the correct GPS signal without being interfered by the signal they generated. And so this is the spoofer generating its signals based on the actual GPS signals? Uh, that's correct. You have to be able to know where the target driver is and also where you are so that you can generate the fake GPS signal accordingly. So because, you know, you can imagine the attacking scenario could be we just stick the spoofer on the bottom of the victim's car and then we remote control it. So at that point, the spoofer's GPS location is actually the real location of the car. Now, you also did some simulation experiments um, to see how susceptible people would be to this. Tell us, how did you do that and what did you learn? Uh, so this is actually part of the fun study. So because previously uh, we talk about a simulation, real-world measurements, but none of them have real people or real users involved. And part of the attack we designed is to see whether human users or human drivers can detect the discrepancies between the real road and the fake road illustrated on the map. So we actually end up doing a user study. So we recruited 40 people in the lab. Now, in order to do this type of user study, there's very kind of tricky setup. You cannot tell that, hey, we wanted to do attack on you and see whether you can detect it because people would basically detect it. So what we have to do is to apply some deception in the beginning. And this is actually a very standard approach for most of the psychology experiments and a user study. So the reason is that you want to make sure that users are not prepared for what is happening, and then you can capture their real reactions. So what we did is we framed the user study as a usability study. So we said, hey, we built a driving simulator, and we want to invite you to come here to assess how realistic the simulator is. So the setup is like this. So we set up a big screen to simulate what people see on the road, and we, we modified a driving simulator engine which is supposed to train how people drive and how people drive trucks, actually. And then 
we design this uh, driving game where the participant is supposed to deliver a package from location A to location B. Then we let them to drive to finish the task. Uh, what we didn't tell the user is that during this experiment, we actually uh, simulate the spoofing attack by changing the software setting without n- notifying them. So they actually experience what it's like when this attack happens on this kind of driving simulation game, and we tell how well they can actually recognize the attack. The result is actually surprisingly good. So 95% of the participants did not spot the attack through multiple driving sessions. So I would consider this attack is stealthy enough for people to recognize effectively. So interestingly, the two people who actually recognized the attack tells us how they did it. Uh, One user said he actually recognized there are some discrepancies between the road he actually looked at and also the road on the map because he thinks he's driving on the highway, but in fact, everything looks like a local way on his front view. So that's how he tells, oh, there must be something wrong with it. Then he stopped the car and asked us, What's going on is this software has some bugs. I think that's when we stop the experiment and explain everything. So after all the experiments, uh, we actually perform some user survey interviews. But most importantly, we tell the participant everything about this experiment. Since you already capture their reactions and, a re- and a whether they detected the attack. So this is a part of the user consensus process. So... Users are allowed to withdraw their data if they think they don't want to put the data in this study. So luckily, none of the users actually withdraw their data. They're surprisingly happy to learn this GPS spoofing attack and how it happens. Now, in the real world, uh, how practical do you think something like this would be? Do you think we might see people actually utilizing something like this? It is actually hard to say. I think... Spoofing a GPS signal, spoofing a GPS device is considered as a crime. So it depends on whether the attacker wanted to take the risks to pull off the attack and what the attack purpose is. I can imagine that for most of the attackers who don't want to take this risk, there's probably some holdback. But when the incentive is high enough, it is really hard to predict. Uh, so for example, right now, GPS devices are integrated with many autonomous systems, including self-driving cars, and some of the cars are really, really expensive. So what if there's an attacker want to steal their car by automatically navigate the car to a location that the attacker predefined and wanted to steal their car or hijack the car? That's a possibility. So, for example, uh, there are very expensive drones. What if there are Uh, dedicated attackers and try to steer their drone out of the safe area and again try to steal their drone. So, so far, most of the experiments done within the civilian applications. I think there's more severe implications of this type of attack in other more critical domains like, you know, power grid and other critical infrastructures or even in military. But so far, we don't have access to any of those. So it is hard for me to give any comments on that. Yeah. Are there possibilities of systems that depend on GPS to kind of uh, to kind of cross check to make sure that what they're reading is correct? You know, I know, for example, 
Uh, you know, the Russians have their own version of GPS. Could a system possibly check in and make sure that both systems align and uh, look for some sort of consensus? That's exactly right. So there's dedicated GPS hardware or chips that already integrated some of the cross-tracking mechanisms. For example, as you said, there are just more than one GPS satellites. Actually, multiple countries launched their GPS satellites uh, for many, many years. One possible solution or one feasible solution is to cross-track multiple GPS sources to make sure the reading is correct. The trade-off here is that it does require special hardware and more expensive hardware. So, for example, if you build a self-driving car and you want it to be actual careful, then you should definitely just use the dedicated new chips that have this kind of anti-spoofing mechanisms. But, you know, as I said in the very beginning, there are already over billions of GPS devices out there running on the non-secure mechanism. And it's hard to replace all of them at once. It's extremely high cost. Now, back to this cross-checking idea. Even if you cross-check multiple signals, that does not mean that it's completely secure for very obvious reasons. So if the attacker is able to build multiple radios and synchronize those different radios at the same time, there's a possibility to generate multiple GPS signals that try to mimic each individual GPS information sources. So at that time, it's again become a very hard problem to tell which is real and which is fake. So fundamentally, the solution is limited because the GPS signal has no authentication mechanism and is hard to tell the real ones with the fake ones. Now, suppose that uh, someone had access to the military version of this. Would, would that be immune to this sort of attack? I would think so. In the ideal world, I would say if we can change the civilian GPS completely to the encrypted and authenticated version, I think the problem will go away. So there has a lot of discussions over the last 10 years, 20 years to talk about the possibility of upgrading our GPS. But unfortunately, it's feasible in theory, but really hard to pull it off in practice due to the extremely high cost to replace all the software and hardware on your GPS receivers that is running every day. Yeah, so it would be, a, a, I guess, a slow turnover as, as the, uh, the new devices came online and the old ones were retired. That's the hope. But yeah. it's probably going to take many, many years. Yeah. So one additional comment I have is that right now, my colleague and I and our students are trying to develop some low-cost defense mechanism that hopefully does not require additional hardware and hopefully only software-level manipulation sort of improvement to achieve a similar level of a defense. Uh, this is ongoing work. Uh, I don't have a clear answer which one works or which one doesn't work, but hopefully we have some new results to share with you in the near future. Our thanks to Virginia Tech's Gong Wang for once again joining us. The research is titled, All Your GPS Are Belong to Us, Towards Stealthy Manipulation of Road Navigation Systems. We'll have a link in the show notes. Hey, everybody. I want to take a few minutes here and talk about our sponsor, Splunk. 
You know, you need to keep operations humming around the clock, but potential disruptions are everywhere. Splunk helps you predict problems and find and fix issues fast so you can reduce risk and ditch downtime. The world's largest enterprises rely on Splunk's unified security and observability platform to become more efficient, resilient, and innovative. With Splunk, you can react quickly, evolve faster, and be ready for anything. Stay ahead of disruptions. Learn more at splunk.com slash resilience. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.